Behind every important relationship in your life, there is a greater cosmic story. I'm Dr. Diane Skafta, inviting you to explore the multidimensional bonds that connect you with loved ones in this world and in other domains of reality. Please join me as we enter the wondrous mysteries of love beyond time. I like to begin each episode with lines of verse that kind of set the mood for our explorations. Today, we'll hear from Dante Gabriel Rossetti, born in 1828, whom you may know more for his mystical paintings in the Pre-Raphaelite style. In his poem, Sudden Light, Rossetti says, I have been here before, but when or where I cannot tell. I know the grass beyond the door, the sweet, keen smell, the sighing sound, the lights around the shore. You have been mine before. How long ago, I may not know, but just when, at that swallow's soar, your neck turned so, I knew it all of yore. I love that last line, even if the language is a little antique. Some veil did fall, I knew it all of yore. Meaning, of course, that he knew they had loved each other in olden times, long ago. Rossetti expresses what it's like to glimpse other dimensions of reality in the midst of an ordinary day. He hears the wind sighing through the fragrant grass. He sees the ocean shore beyond. But suddenly it all feels familiar to his soul. But what happens next is even more intriguing. The poet realizes that he and his sweetheart have previously loved each other in a time before memory. And what triggers this realization? A simple detail. Seeing his beloved look up in just a certain way at just a certain angle when that bird soars overhead. That's when the portal opens to their greater cosmic story. I have noticed that this greater cosmic story in each of our relationships almost always reveals itself first in specific details. We can't grasp the whole picture at once, but it's like these shining filaments drift into consciousness and for a moment light up our field of vision. So, as we saw with Rossetti, details of the greater story may be glimpsed in something you witness outside yourself. But they're also revealed in your own inner experiences. You may have feelings, images, or associations that arise, for example, only when you're around a certain person and at no other time. And their content may be quite different from what you experience or ways you behave at other times in your life. I call these experiences psychic anomalies because they lie outside the ordinary patterns of our lives. And we should watch for them because they are golden windows into multidimensional realities. To illustrate this idea more fully, I would like to tell you about the remarkable psychic journey of a woman I will call April. Although her experiences rose uniquely from her own paradoxical situation, 
they have many rich insights to offer us about our own cosmic stories. April came to my counseling practice troubled by persistent feelings she could not explain. They seemed so at odds with the reality she saw around her that she was wondering about her own mental health. April's quandary centered around her older sister named Kendra. Now, Kendra had always been very kind to her. When they were young, her sister would set up little board games and let April win every time. When they played soccer or baseball in the abandoned field near their house, Kendra kept a close eye on her younger sibling to make sure she didn't get hurt. This protective attitude continued as the girls grew up. In college, April often received supportive calls and letters from her sister, and some of the letters even contained a check to be used as extra spending money. But all the while, April carried a secret in her heart a secret she felt ashamed to share with anyone. She distrusted Kendra deeply. Sometimes the distrust bordered on hatred. She somehow felt that at any moment her sister would betray her in some terrible way. Betray you how, I asked. I don't know, April said. That's the weird, crazy, awful thing. Kendra has never done anything bad to me. In fact, just the opposite. But I'm always waiting. I'm always on guard for her to turn against me. Now, of course, in psychotherapeutic practice, we want to look at the other aspects of a person's life to see whether, in this case, there might be themes of suspicion or perhaps paranoid ideation, as we call it, that would explain or form a framework for these experiences April had toward her sister. So over the next weeks, I explored with April her relationships with her parents, her brother, her colleagues at work, and her boyfriend. I saw no evidence of suspicion or paranoia in any of her other relationships. Kendra was the only person she distrusted. I recognized the phenomenon we were dealing with as a psychic anomaly, and I concluded we aren't dealing with mental illness here. We are dealing with multidimensionality. Now I knew how to proceed. I knew that when anomalous feelings arise, such as April had expressed, it's important not to dismiss them as foolish or banish them as undesirable. Instead, we open a portal to invite them in more fully. We treat them as respected visitors to the psyche. We allow them to have their say to tell their story. And then sometimes we ask questions and wait for their reply. The dialogues that unfold can provide us with life-changing information and perspectives. For the next three months, April and I did dialogue with these visitors, and what we learned stunned us both. I will tell you the story as a connected whole, but please remember that it emerged slowly, image by image, realization by realization. April is living in an old farmhouse in Europe. She has the impression that she's in the northern part of France. This time period seems to be in the early 1800s. 
We derived this clue from her visions of being clothed in a a long, slender, high-waisted dress typical of the Napoleonic era. April has an older brother, but he has moved to another country in search of fortune and fame and adventure. April remembers living alone in that barren farmhouse and missing him so much. Now it's a time of war. Foreign troops have invaded the country and people are fleeing their homes. But April has nowhere to go, so she decides to take a chance and stay at the farm. Then one terrible day, she hears the sound of horses galloping right outside her door and men shouting. She looks out the window and sees a small group of soldiers, she said there were about eight, getting off of their horses and running toward her door. Quickly, she ducks into a place she had already prepared. It was a small earthen chamber where roots were stored off the kitchen. Crouching low in the hollow, she can angle her head just a bit and see what's happening. And what she sees is soldiers crashing through the door, brandishing their swords in in jerky motions, shouting words she can't understand. They look drunk. Then April gasps so loudly she fears she'll be heard. One of the soldiers is her brother. He's running around wild like the rest of them, hacking at cabinets and smashing chairs. Now he rushes to the bedchamber where she usually sleeps and tears apart the linen. He's looking for her. Then he pulls open the wooden wardrobe cabinet where her dresses hang. He wants to kill her. April nearly swoons with shock and rage. How could he betray his sister like this? And then suddenly it's over. She sees the soldiers go out the open doorway and climb sloppily on their horses. But long after the sound of hoofbeats has vanished, April huddles in her dark cave, shaking. It was hard for April to endure the scenes she witnessed in her mind's eye, but she bravely stayed with them until they had yielded their secrets. Now she felt convinced that the brother who betrayed her in this vision was connected with Kendra. Did they have a past life together, and did the trauma of that betrayal carry over into this lifetime? April wasn't sure she believed in reincarnation, but she did know that her experiences in that farmhouse seemed as real, were as real to her soul as anything in her present lifetime. I said to her, we don't have to believe in past lives or any other metaphysical construct for your experience to be valid. The souls of two persons can be connected in ways that surpass our understanding. For now, let's just trust the story that has unfolded for you. It will lead to your heart's healing. I know that. April was ready to wait for that healing. But by the time she came in the next week, I was feeling a little uneasy. Something was missing. Something was still incomplete. I just had a feeling there was more to this story. So I asked April if she'd be willing to do something really hard. I asked if she would return to that farmhouse one more time. I had a hunch I wanted to play out. 
if the hunch was wrong, I was asking her forgiveness in advance. Perhaps April's intuition gave her the green light because, without hesitation, she agreed to my proposal. And there we were again. April is huddled on the cold dirt floor of that root cellar. Soldiers are roaring and slashing. Her brother pulls open the wooden closed cabinets. Freeze frame. Right there, April, I said, stop. Now I'd like you to do something. Try to make telepathic contact with your brother. Try to read what's in his mind. Her her face contracted. He's a devil, she cried. Take a breath, please, I said. Center yourself. Reach your mind into his. Then tell me what you experienced. She closed her eyes and sat motionless for a full three minutes. I had my psychic fingers crossed. I wanted so much for this to work. Then April's eyes popped wide open. She stared at me as though she didn't know who I was, but I knew it was just her inner experience of disbelief. He wants to save me, she whispered. He's looking for me so he can find me before the soldiers find me. And he will kill those soldiers if they try to hurt me. He's so relieved that I'm not in the house. We sat in silence. It was like a a shimmer had spread through the air around us. Our hearts and minds seemed bathed in, in blessedness. The darkness of two centuries had just dissolved into light. April told me that from that moment on, her old fears never returned. Sometimes she would kind of search her heart for them to make sure that they hadn't come back. But all that remained were just faint memory traces. Now she was free to see her relationship as it really was instead of through the lens of a a dark dream. One day she said to Kendra, I never really thanked you for your loving care and concern for me over all these years, but I want to thank you now. Oh, think nothing of it, Kendra shrugged. After all, you're my sweet little sister. I owe it to you. I think we can learn a lot from April's journey of discovery. We can better appreciate the profound complexity of our own relationships, and we can gain more respect for the feelings that live in our hearts, even when they don't seem to make sense. Most of all, we can invite messengers from our amazing cosmic history to visit us and speak their wisdom. (laughs) And they cannot refuse such a delightful offer because, after all, they are part of our own multidimensional soul. I'd like to offer an exercise that you can use to gain more information about a relationship. As many of you will recognize, it draws upon the technique of active imagination, which is an approach developed by Carl Jung in the early 1900s. His aim was to provide greater communication with the unconscious. The idea is that images and associations from deep layers of the psyche are invited to present themselves to our awareness. Now, these presentations have a life of their own. And our job is not to judge them or analyze them, but to watch them, listen to them, and receive the illumination they offer. 
In my work with multidimensional relationships, I also ask these presentations questions as though they are oracles or guides. You can do this exercise alone or with a trusted companion who will take notes for you and encourage you onward. If you do the exercise alone, it's very powerful to voice record your session and to speak out loud to the images and dramas that unfold for you. So go to a comfortable place where you will not be interrupted. Allow yourself a space of a half an hour for this exercise. You may not need all of that time. And in the beginning, I recommend doing it for about 10 minutes. But allow yourself the full amount of time. Sit or recline in a position that's relaxing for you. Take a few deep breaths and center your consciousness. Now speak directly to your deep psyche as though it is an oracle or a guide or an angel. Ask for illumination on a specific issue in your relationship. You might say something like, I ask to be illuminated about my relationship with William. Show me an experience that explains our close bond. Or, I ask for illumination on the jealous feelings in my marriage. Please show me multidimensional experiences that will help heal this problem. Now wait. Wait with an attitude of warm expectation. Images might appear in your mind immediately, or you might have to sit in repose for a while. You may have the impression of voices speaking or clamor in the streets. Parts of a story may come to you. Just notice these. Pay attention and see how they unfold. At first, it might feel like you're making things up. This doesn't matter. In fact, creative imagination often draws upon materials from these other domains of reality. Some of the best novels in history have been written from them, in fact. With practice, you'll be able to identify the pure communications that come from the psyche. You'll know them by their luminosity, by that certain psychic charge that you feel, or perhaps a warmth that passes through you, or a sense of being on sacred ground. If nothing at all happens for you, that's okay. Give yourself the full 10 minutes, and then end the session. Try again in several hours if you like, or the next day, or the day after that. It takes time to develop these active channels between your conscious mind and your deep psyche. When your session is over, take notes immediately, even if you did voice record. And here's a very important element of the exercise. If you do receive images or impressions that have meaning for you, take one action step that honors this gift. You may draw a picture that depicts a scene or something you saw in your mind. You may place a flower on an altar. You may tell a loved one how much he or she means to you. It's a very powerful time to change a habit or a behavior in yourself that you know is unworthy of you. Action steps like these empower your psyche to speed your work forward. And remember, you are never alone in this work. You have loving friends in many times, places, and dimensions who are participating with you in the great adventure. 
In our next episode, we will explore karmic contracts, those powerful forces that help shape the destiny of some of our relationships. They impel us to become deeply involved with another person and carry out agreements that have been made between the multidimensional selves of each of us. I'll offer ways of recognizing a karmic contract and working with it to bring about the most beautiful realization of your love beyond time. Thank you for listening to this series. I would love to be inspired hearing some of your own multidimensional experiences. Please write me at podcast at lovebeyondtime.org. That's podcast at lovebeyondtime.org. Until next time, I ask the universe to send great cosmic blessings to all dimensions of your relationships. 